Keeping up with the Joneses. Welcome to episode 210 of Keeping Up with the Joneses. This week we're talking about authority with our dear friend David Campbell. But before we get to that, and before we introduce him, AJ Jones, there's something very special about the day we're recording this. There is. Today is the 10 year anniversary of the day that we actually landed in the U.S. to change our entire lives, basically, to move from Toronto and being at TACF and being with John and Carol to being at Grace Center and serving Jeff and Becky. Today is the day, 10 yeah, years. I was thinking about it because I have got the little thing on Apple Photos, is that what it's called? Yeah. You know, on this day. Yeah. And I realized that was the day that we landed at the airport. If you follow me on Instagram, you'll see me with a random smiley uh, elderly woman. <laughs> uh, and it was the first person, Really, it wasn't the first person I saw, but it was the first person I remember landing in America. She was a volunteer at the airport. She had an American flag and she was just, her job was to welcome people. So I just ran up to her and said, can I have a photo? I'm new to America. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then if I remember correctly, we went to McDonald's and I had a supersized breakfast and thought, I love the land of the free and the home of the brave. Did you? Did we go to McDonald's? Mm-hmm. I, I made you. Remember. Do you remember I was sick when we got here? No. Yep. I, I remember sick as a dog. I remember a friend Brad saying, "Hey, just because they can supersize, you don't always need to." <laughs> I should write like a welcome to America beginner's guide. Yeah, that would be about really all funny. the things that you uh, need to know that you might not know. Yeah, and it'll be ten years, baby. Ten years to this day. I'm not nostalgic, and I don't tend to remember things, as you uh, probably are aware of. I don't tend to remember dates or stuff like that. But for whatever reason, being in America, ten years. Totally reminded me. I'm so grateful. Love America. Same. Love I, that move. I've actually been thinking about it for months, babe. I keep. I was sort of counting down inside my head or inside my heart, however you want to view it, uh, to today when it would be ten years. I don't. I don't know why. Uh, I mean, I sort of. I don't know. Expected something to happen today. Maybe still will. I love your optimism. It's seven thirty p.m. on a Sunday night. It does matter. Maybe still will. Most church services don't start until seven thirty at night. <laughs> you mean you're expecting fireworks? Or I, I don't know. I I just I I've been excited about this day. So me too. I don't know. I love Who it. Who knows? I feel like my reward for being in America for ten years is being in America for ten years. Okay. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've loved every part of it. Even yeah. though there's been really, there, really hard things. There's been I love it. really great highs and, and not that many lows, really. But all worth it. Oh, so worth it. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I love I love being here, too. If if I could move a, a posse of people from Toronto to here, I'd I'd uh, be even happier. But I'm <laughs> pretty sure I'm not, I'm not going to be allowed to do that. So <laughs> You and your posse. Me and my posse. All right. Well, what's happened this week? Tell me. Goodness. It, it's it feels funny, doesn't it? Because it was sort of a strange week for us because uh, we had a bunch of days off. And so I actually don't even know what day it is today. We ended the year with a bunch of unused vacation days. Yeah. And they don't roll over. No. Nope. So in, in order to be compliant with our HR and, and be well rested and appease our boss, December kind of looks like a patchwork quilt. Yeah. So like last week we worked Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Then had off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yes. Went to work today, yeah. or teaching at the school Monday and Tuesday, and then we're off again. Right. Till January sometime. Yeah. Yeah, except with for one, next Sunday. Yeah. With one Sunday in the mix. So it's it's a little bit of, um, like I said, a patchwork quilt, but it's been glorious. I taught on boundaries in first year. You did. And it was amazing. I love that teaching. Yeah. It totally changed my life. It It did. 
I would really imagine did. the part of the reason the last 10 years have been so glorious is in part because of boundaries. Being able to say no. Yeah. Being able to say yes. Yep. Not squirm about saying or hearing no. No or yes. Yeah. Oh, what a glorious revelation. So I'm so good. grateful for the people who taught me that message. And I think I did Ephesians this week. Oh, yes, you did. I was wondering who <laughs> taught in second year. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, gosh, who who taught in second year? Wait, it was me. <laughs> I mean, it really, I feel sort of discombobulated. I, I kept waking up in the morning and thinking, what day is it? Is it Saturday yet? Is it Sunday yet? You went verse by verse through Ephesians. Yeah. How Teach it verse by verse through Ephesians. I love it. I, I love, I love any time that you get to dive into the word of God and really mine things. It's, I think it's really exciting. So yeah, it was very fun. That was basically our week. You went verse by verse through Ephesians. Yeah. I taught boundaries. Yeah. We had oh, a date on Tuesday night. I meant to say Richard Vowder's taught on Monday night at m and Yeah. And was just absolutely fantastic. Oh, just, good. Oh, I just, I loved it. His message, he just absolutely fed me and it was glorious. It was just beautiful to receive and I left feeling so full of the Word of God. So well done, Richard Fowders, for sure. Good job. I did hear a lot of great feedback it about it. Excellent. I didn't I didn't get there on Monday night. Really excellent. I'll put a link in the show notes for people who missed it or you would like to be encouraged. It's really, really good. So that was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. I don't even remember Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I basically remember we were in pajamas a lot. Well, Wednesday, uh, we spent the whole day in pajamas until I eventually had to put on clothes to take Abby the youth. Oh, what a burden. I know, it was horrible. Uh, but no, we went on the uh, Christmas lights tour, except you didn't go because Muggies wasn't feeling great. So you stayed home with Muggs. Yeah, any excuse not to go on a Christmas lights tour. No, it was really fun. Kind of loud. Yeah. But, but, but fun. Would I have enjoyed it? No, you wouldn't have it, liked it at all. Right. Yeah. So... Uh, but T and I got to ride on a bus with a bunch of carolers and hold oh, hands. Oh, I'm so glad I missed that. So, yes. Yeah. No, I'm coming out in a rash just talking about <laughs> it. And then uh, Thursday, mostly, let's be honest, we cleaned our house. We did. We, we have was... aforementioned uh, friend David Stainless. Is it true that we only tied our house when we have gas coming? I think so. <laughs> but pretty much it's. It, it, yeah. It's so it bad, is. but it's, it's kind bad. of true. Yeah. Um, I insulated the garage. You did. Which hopefully is going to solve our heat fluctuation problem above the garage. You know, I'm fixing saunas one week and insulating garages the next. Look at I'm you. kind of a burly man. You're just the man of men. <laughs> Wait, the men of, yes, the man of men. There no. you go. Yeah. And then we did Christmas shopping. I did. Well, I did too, but you know nothing of that. Oh, yes. Do you want to tell them about our 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 thing this year? No. Oh. Maybe maybe in the new year if it works. I'm nervous. AJ's a high gifts person. I am. And I get scared buying AJ gifts because it feels like a minefield. And I mean, I it's not that you put pressure on me. Well, usually we do like Amazon lists or something and say, Here, here's something I would like. Um, Is that what you do? I've never looked at your Amazon wish list. Maybe that's what I should do. Well, you do Amazon wish list and I usually say, I would like a this you know, like, and uh-huh. it's usually for something for the kitchen. Right. Which then feels weird because it, it feels like, anyway, I, I've gone out on a limb this year and I mm. hope I'm right, but I'm nervous. So I don't want to talk about it till the new year. I guess listeners, you're going to find out in the new year mm-hmm. if he was right or if he should have been nervous. Yeah. <laughs> but I've gotten most of the kids done now. So that's great. Good. Should we talk about our main topic? I think we should. In order to do that, we need to introduce Mr. David Campbell. We do. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, you're there. Good. Just checking. <laughs> Episode 90, for those of you who have not heard the dulcet tones of David Campbell before. David, tell us, what what do you do for a living again? I, I'm part of um, one of the larger Pentecostal denominations in the UK. I am one of the national leaders there, and I have a special responsibility to look after the southeast of England, including London, which for me means oversight of about 140 churches and 200 pastors. Good wow. Lord. So you really are a pastor to pastor and leader to leaders. That's the way it goes. Well, that's perfect because our topic tonight is all about authority. Oh, wait. Wait. Before we start the topic. Are you about to freestyle rap again? Well, no, I'm not going to freestyle rap. Okay. I was just wondering if you could give us some Scottish lessons because um, you have like a legit Scottish accent. This is true. This is true. And Alan's has kind of diminished or wavered. Well, it's important to understand that David and I didn't have the same accent to begin with. In the same way that you would have like an an American accent, like a New York accent, a California accent, and a Louisiana accent are all completely different. Yes. David is from the west coast of Scotland, and I'm from the east coast of Scotland. Right. I have have great faith he could give you a refresher. So I was wondering if he could say a couple Scottish expressions, and then you could say them, and maybe that would like boost up your accent. I think everybody would love it. I'll happily say them if you say them too. Oh, Oh, okay, I'm ready. Well, I mean, okay. the obvious one is to say it's a broad brick moonlicht nicht de nicht. It's a broad brick moonlicht nicht de nicht. It's not bad, really, for a Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably better than me. It's a broad brick nicht de nicht. A broad brick moonlicht nicht de nicht. A broad moonlicht nicht. means it's a beautiful moonlit evening this evening. That's beautiful. That's what it means. And lying me your lumbreek. That's a good one, too. I've never wait, heard wait, that before. Lying me your lumbreek. Long may your chimney have smoke coming out of it. So that's to do with prosperity. Okay, so say like there'll always be a fire in your grate. <laughs> lying me your lumbreek. Lying me your lumbreek. Lying. Lying. L-A-N-G. Lying. You know, I didn't Lying. know I was going to have to give um, <laughs> elocution, <laughs> elocution <laughs> lessons and, and language lessons. And Lang me your lumbreek. Lang me your lumbreek. Lang me your lumbreek. <laughs> yes, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> Don't give Go up ahead, your day baby. job. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure people are so glad they tuned in for this. <laughs> Go ahead. You didn't say it. You, you need the, the tune up. L- I, I never said that when I lived Lang in Scotland. and lime. That's what I got out of it. Okay. Yeah. Very good. All right. I have a bunch of questions for you, David. Right. Because one of the things that AG and I have noticed is I'm not claiming that we're unique in this because we certainly are not. But we've noticed that whenever we talk about authority, whenever we teach about the benefits of authority, for example, we found in our life that having godly authority in our lives, living under godly authority, has been nothing but good. Like Mm. we've seen incredible fruit from it. But whenever we talk about uh, the need for authority, the need to live under authority, the benefits of ha- of of living under godly leaders, submitting to your leaders, everything feels a little bit prickly. And I'm wondering if you have any observations on that. I'm guessing that when you talk about the prickliness of authority, it's because people have seen it abused, really. And that's the biggest fear. Um, like Jesus said, all authority belonged to him. So... If we talk about all good authority, it's going to be a manifestation of Jesus, isn't it? And so well, no one will have a problem with that. It's when man uses position and power and what is... Authority gives you the responsibility for looking after others. And if that is misused, then authority can become a very, very 
blunted weapon that can do a lot of damage. So do you think the the prickliness then is from people who've either experienced un, ungodly authority or godly authority not handled well? Been hurt. Been hurt. Yeah. yeah. What What do you think the the remedy to that is? Well, I also think that another reason is nobody likes to be told what to do, even if, if they're right. I mean... Uh, if you're driving your car and you see a policeman go by, you tend to slow down even when you're not breaking the law. That's <laughs> true. And so there's always <laughs> something about authority that makes you think I'm doing something wrong. So our first reaction is to denial rather than thank you, officer, for helping me keep the law. And um, so there's something about that. We don't like to be told what we're doing. But I do think there's a sense in which um, if those who we are in authority to are, are under, if we see them as uh, godly people, then we will be encouraged by their involvement in our life, and actually we will want it if we really want to get it right. So it's, I guess it's making sure you're under the right authority. Mm-hmm. I remember John, John Ornett, a dear friend of yours and, and a spiritual father to, to AJ and I, who said everybody wants a king like Jesus. Like everybody wants to serve Jesus. Yes. And But he also said if you haven't learned to serve earthly authority, how will you submit to an eternal king? And so there's a sense where we get to practice. And it's not entirely fair, because as we've alluded to, you know, not everybody leads like Jesus. Not everybody wields authority like Jesus. Right. There's some very unhealed leaders out there. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and I think, AJ, part of our blessing is we've typically always had amazing leaders, like John and Carol for one, Jeff and Becky for another. David, what do you do if you have bad leaders? Um, yeah, well, let's start there. What do you what do you do if you have bad leaders? Well, I, I think we... we, we uh, Submit to leaders as they submit to Christ. Paul said, be uh, imitators of me as I imitate Christ. So if someone's not imitating Christ, then please do not imitate them. And so I, I, I'm not saying that gives you a cause for rebellion, but it's a cause of saying, actually, um, I want to be discipled in good authority, not bad authority. Right. And so uh, just because somebody may be in a hierarchy above you, does not mean they're right in everything they say. And mm. I, I do think um, it's almost like you can skip a manager. You can sort of, sort of say, well, what does your boss say? What does Jesus say? And if <laughs> Jesus is saying something different to that person, then they've made a mistake. And how you deal with that in a godly way um, shows you your character as much as it shows the his. And sometimes you have to say, well, well no, I'm not with respect. I can't do that because that contravenes a higher law and um, a higher authority. And we can't be pushed into doing something because it's man's will. Man, People in authority have a responsibility. See, I think authority is not about power over people. Authority is, is being given permission to exercise power. And so if you if you exercise that power in a bad way, then you misuse authority. And, right. and, and, and we're all accountable for that. So you can't, yeah. just because you have the ability to do something doesn't mean you should do it. Can I ask you a follow-up question to that? Yep. Let's paint worst case scenario. Let's say you go off the rails. Let's say you ask one of your leaders to do something and you're actually in error. You don't know that yet. And one of your leaders comes to you and says, hey, David, exactly what you've just said. How would you want that to be walked out as a leader? So you're the leader. You're a leader over me. I come to you. Man, my conscience is not feeling good about what you've asked me to do. How do I disagree with you honorably? Well, in my life, I have an accountability group. And everyone who's under my leadership knows who they can go to, and and if if I'm wrong in something, they would go to them. You know, if if just tell me. Hopefully, if somebody came up and said, "But David, I'm not sure about this," hopefully I would listen and think, you know, you're right, you're right, and get it right. But if I'm not teachable, then you have to go to somebody else and say, you know, you're part of the group. Can you talk to them? Can you listen to this? And uh, 
you put yourself in accountability before there's a problem. Mm. You don't wait for their problem to say, okay, you can see these two friends of mine because you, <laughs> you'll choose people who just back you up. Right? Right. So, and if your heart is always to get it right, you'll have people who will tell you it. Yeah. Because I, if I'm getting it wrong, I don't want to be proved right. I just want to get it right. Mm. And one of the problems with people who are abusing authority, they just want to be proved right. They don't want to be questioned. And servants oh. want to get it right. Tyrants want to make people do what they say. Wow. Right. And it's, it's hugely different. We're, we're, we're servants of all. We're there to, leadership should serve people, not serve your own vision. Right. The great thing about authority is it allows you to serve with greater ease. Yes. But the flip side of your, you know, when you're saying, well, if Jesus is asking you to do something and your authority says, you know, not to do that, then you go, you know, go with Jesus or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, surely also the Bible plays in there someplace, right? Because like I'm thinking, I've had a number of different meetings where somebody is saying, well, Jesus told me, for example, to not work for a year, but this person's married and has kids. I'm like, no, he didn't. The Bible says, if you don't work, then don't eat. Like, actually, I don't think God told you to do that. But this person is convinced that God did tell them to do that. Like, what do you do in those kind of situations. Yeah, totally into the subjective there. And it's almost like when somebody pulls out the card, God taught me. Yeah. So um, that's almost impossible to disagree with. Yeah. I mean, if it says God taught me to go kill my next door neighbor, you say, well, that, that wouldn't be right because he's already told you not to kill your next door neighbor. So you right. won't. But, but it also says in the Bible, if, if a man won't work, he won't eat. Right. And so there's those principles. And so when God speaks to you, he may speak to you for a season to do something, but it won't contradict his word. Right. And I think sometimes I um, think God gets blamed for a lot and the devil gets, you know, the story of the, the, the they say that Satan's standing outside the church one day crying and somebody says, what's wrong with you? And he says, they're blaming me for everything in there. And I, and I think sometimes, you know, God gets the blame for things. The devil gets the blame for things. And sometimes we just have some naughty Christians around, you know. So right. Sometimes they're just looking for an excuse to, to do what they want to do rather than get it right. Right. Yeah. So let me ask you that in a different way. So I'm changing some of the variables. Uh, You've got a leader. You are wanting to walk in one area. So, for example, I remember being raised in this great, I mean, a great evangelical church. They did not practice the gifts of the Spirit. It was, uh, they they would kind of nod in agreement theologically, but we saw no evidence of it. And in my private life, I'm reading all these books. I'm listening, I'm actually going to conferences where you're speaking, and I'm listening to all this stuff, and I'm wanting to grow in it. And let's say I'm in that situation, and my leaders are perhaps leading me in an area I don't necessarily want to walk in. Can you, can you give me some wisdom for that? I think when you get down to practical illustrations, there's no one size fits all, but there's something to do with the heart. And if people are of good heart and they're trying to do the right thing, you honour that, you bless them in that. And, and it's because one of the problems we get in those situations is there's no bad people involved. Mm. See, if you've got somebody whose leader is a bad person, then leave. But usually it's a good person who's trying to do what he's seen within their limited vision and understanding and own personal experience. So you have to honour them of where they are on their journey and without feeling superior to them because you've got an experience that they have not got. And so Beautiful. part of it is to, to, to respect them and for who they are and what they give to you, but also 
to realise they haven't seen what you've got at the moment and respectfully say, but I've also received this from straight from heaven, really, in mm-hmm. that sense. I'm not superior to you, but I've been very fortunate. And so you have to respect where they are and where they, they can lead you where they've been, but they can't lead you where they've not been themselves. And sometimes our frustration is that people don't lead us where they've never been themselves. Wow. And we have to be careful about that. That's so good. Okay. That's so good. So the next question then is, as a leader to leaders, what's the one thing that you wish everyone knew about authority? Um, I guess that it doesn't belong to you. It's been put in your safekeeping from Jesus. And so I don't have authority. He gives me his authority. Matthew 28, Jesus said, all authority is given to me. Well, that sort of means all, doesn't it? (laughs) So therefore, any authority I have must have come from him. Because the next thing he says, go into all the world and make disciples. So the whole structure came from that all. So any authority I have, I realize, is not my divine right to have authority. It's my human responsibility to carry it well in a godly way. And so I cannot abuse it because it's not mine. It's it's his uh, to bring about his will. Right. So that's why I'd like to say it doesn't belong to you. You're a steward of it. Right. So good. On on the heels of that, then, how does one grow in authority? I think it's it's the, the more you carry the presence and the more you sit in his presence, the more you will actually think and talk like Jesus. And so therefore, the, when you think and talk like Jesus, you move in authority because that's you're doing his will. And authority is the, the right to exercise power. And so if you're walking in the right way, you have the right to exercise his power. Mm. So I think the way to increase in authority is to walk in his presence more and more in a faithful way every day. That's how to increase authority. Is there, like in your years of leading leaders, is there a common mistake you see new leaders make in exercising authority? Is there is there like a... Oh, I've seen this before. Is there uh, any of those that stand out to you? Lots of them, really, to be honest with you. One of the biggest one is that just everybody just thinks they're right. Of course you think you're right. <laughs> I mean, Don't you, we all? But you, you wouldn't be doing it unless you thought you were right. But, but it's almost like maybe enter into the understanding that a lot of situations are more complex than you think. If only there was a black and white answer to every question, but sometimes there's not. In fact, some problems do not have an answer some problems are tensions that have to be managed. There's not a, a, a problem that has to be solved. And so, so authority doesn't mean that you're black and white about everything. It, it means that you actually have discernment and wisdom to know the right thing to do in any given situation. And so there's there's uh, there's lots of times when, when people come to me with situations and there's two or three right answers. And you have to say, well, actually, we may have to hold this intention and, and play one against the other, really rather than have a, there's only one answer. And other times you have to say there's three answers. Two of you are going to have to have grace because we can only do one of them. But it doesn't mean that one's more right than you two, but this is the, that's better for the rest of the body of Christ. Like, for example, you, you get people who believe totally opposing things. Um, say the woman in ministry question, which is in some places it's non-issue, but other places it's a huge issue. And I've got a pastor who... Um, 
he, he would believe that women should not carry government, really. He might let them speak and pray, but he, and, and he would go right back to a creation ordinance. It's not New Testament for him, it's bigger than that, and he's really strong on, on, on that. And, and then I've got other people who just believe that women should be apostles and they should be running the denomination, they go all the way up to the top, and, the, and those two. And two things come out of that. One, one, one is, um, firstly, is, is that um, I'm quite certain that I can put an argument as to why women should be in government, totally from the Bible to my satisfaction, totally, and no one can dissuade me of it. Yeah. I'm also aware that he can come up with an argument from Scripture that that, that he's right and that, and that headship is male and it's totally to persuade him. I cannot prove it enough from Scripture, from my point of view, to get him to change his mind. And trust me, he cannot get enough from Scripture to get me to change my mind. So therefore, we have to hold that intention because I think they might both be right. And they might, so I don't have the answer. I cannot persuade somebody. And so I have a church which is close by. We have an Antioch principle where we have bigger churches looking after smaller churches. And this pastor who holds that sort of headship um, concept um, is the closest church to this little fellowship where the, the leader is a, a lady elder. And I asked him, would you please give covering to this church? Mm-hmm. And he said, yes. I said, you need to know the, the leader is a lady elder. No, I just think that, that he is such a blessing to me. He said, that's fine. That's fine. Because he can live with the tension of actually, the, you believe something different to me, but we will manage that tension in a creative way which blesses them. And I think I have a huge respect for people of that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. Huge respect. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's another question for you. Can you think of a time in your life when obeying a leader looked like a step backwards? Like in the natural, it might have looked like a step backwards. Uh, and then what was the fruit of that obedience anyway? You're talking to somebody who's got the worst memory in the world. <laughs> really, I don't. I, Just make something what up. What did we Nobody have for dinner? Know. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's lots of times when, when I sort of. Uh, um, so I'm not one of these who plans on life out in the back of an envelope and say this is what's going to happen next. I want this to happen next, but <laughs> but but I I think that I've always had a desire. But there's been times in my life when. when uh, uh, I love being a pastor of a church, uh, and um, I came to a point where I was asked by our national leader to to give that up and become full time one of the national leaders, and, and I never really wanted to do that. I, I, if I was left to myself, I would be pastoring a local church. I think it's the highest calling in the world. Really, is right. to lead a local church. But but when he said to me, he said, David, that's really where your gifting would be best used for the maximum number of people. Uh, I, and so I, I did. I, I handed my church over to somebody else and I went out full time. And that's probably been the most fruitful thing I've ever done. Uh, I still wish I was pastor of a church in some ways. But I, I th- you sometimes you do not realize your own gifting. You need somebody outside to see your potential. Yeah. And it's a bit like the day of Pentecost. How did you know you'd a flame above your head? Um, I don't know if you stuck your hand in it, burnt your fingers off, you get an idea. But I don't know if it was a hot flame or what. Right. So you need somebody to tell you there's a flame above your head. So sometimes people in authority see things in you that you don't see in yourself. Mm. Right. And you have to listen to them. And, 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 you have to trust them at that yeah. point. That's why it's important who you submit your life to. I, you cannot. You're literally putting your life into somebody's hands. Yeah. 
to make a big decision. So uh, that would be one of the big ones for me. Yeah. I think that's certainly been our experience as well, hasn't it? That the leaders that God puts in your life, they often see things in seed form that you don't even see in yourself. And right. it might even be really hard to believe. Like I don't, I wouldn't be in ministry if it wasn't for somebody else saying, mm. Hey, I see this in you. And really well, every tell, part of me was like, no. Tell the story about how you ended up in ministry with John answering invitations on your behalf. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that was super funny. So <laughs> I'm, I'm a youth leader and I'm working as a server in a restaurant. So and when you say you're a youth leader, define that. that I mean, I, I lead a small group at church. I was a youth leader for eight years. Right, but uh, you're not the Toronto. youth pastor. There's no, youth pastors. You're no. just a voluntary, I'm a voluntary show up on a night. I show up yeah. on Fridays and help lead things and whatever. And uh, at this point, I had spoken twice to the youth. And I mean, the youth were about 150 people. So I mean, it was a fair size youth group. And if you ask me, youth are still the most intimidating group to speak to. Uh, but but I had spoken twice and vomited both times and sh- shook horribly, like, and cried. And I was like, I, you know, this is awful. And then I was, uh, I was talking to John just on, on a Sunday morning. And he said, um, so, uh, he, you know, here's the thing, uh, a church called, they need a, a person to come and do this youth conference in Michigan. And so, uh, I said you would come and here's the dates. And I was like, <laughs> you did what? And he's like, Oh, I think, you know, I think you're, I think you're made for this. And I was like, wow. John, like I vomited both times I spoke. Like I, I'm not good at it that I don't, you know, and he was like, no, I see this in you, you know, and he just said, would you go? Like, would you, would you just trust me and go? And, and if you hate it, then that's fine, but give it a try once, you know? And I, it was really funny because I had to teach four sessions and I, I only had two really bad sermons. That's what I I had ready. So I got I got ready to go thinking, well, all I have to do is do this one weekend and then I can come back and tell John he's wrong. You know, that this isn't what I meant to do. But the very first night I got up and spoke and I, I literally like I think about that chariots of fire quote, like I felt the pleasure of God. And I thought, Oh, oh, he's right and I'm wrong, you know. And that changed everything for me. But it didn't get easier immediately. It still was, you know, a vomit festival every time I spoke for a while because I'd get so nervous. That's quite the imagery there. Yeah, thank you. I think that's the beauty of the leaders that I was talking about at the beginning, the whole thing that they see in seed form and the amazing amount of trust. The writer of Hebrews says, you know, let them do this, you know, submit to your leaders, let them do this. And so there's an element where we let our leaders lead us, you know, they, they... they they don't lord it over us, but there's this beautiful element where we submit to our leaders, patho, allow ourselves to be persuaded by. And I think of the good and the bad that the leaders have seen in me in seed form. And whenever they bring it to you, it's not yet fully born, so they can't prove they're right. You know, but so they might be like, hey, are you aware there's this issue? It takes a huge amount of of trust and confidence this loving leader is pointing out something that you don't yet see, and we're always the fastest to defend. To defend, yeah. But if we trust them, they're they're and they're godly. They're speaking into our life for for our good, whether it's a good thing or whether it's a negative thing. Yes, that they're seeing. You see, people with authority can open doors 
Mm-hmm. They have the ability to open doors. And I find it interesting that uh, when you're talking to AJ about, you know, John said, go go and do this. Mm-hmm. And, and it's actually boldness you, you, you needed. And I find it interesting, as you look in the New Testament, the church there, they didn't pray for the anointing, they didn't pray for gifting, they prayed for boldness. Yeah. And the majority of us, it's boldness that we like. There's a few people right. who are so self-confident, it's airs, it's verges on arrogance and tends to end badly. But the majority of us have a crisis of confidence right. on a fairly regular basis. Right. But and so and it's boldness that we need to do what is right. And I think that sometimes apostolic authority people see that and they open a the door for you. Yeah. Right. And then they push you through it. Well yeah, exactly. I, I think I kind of borrowed his boldness really. I was just like, All right. Yes. You know. Yeah. You think, well, John thinks I can do this. It's his reputation up for grabs, not mine. Yeah, yeah, he signed me up for yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out he was right. Who knew? <laughs> he did a good job there. He did a good job there. David, that's all our questions. Is there anything you want us to ask you about authority? Anything you want to clarify? Anything you'd like to say in closing? I think just that the authority properly administers one of the best things in the world because it brings the presence and the will of Jesus to the reality in our lives. Mm-hmm. And that should be the goal of it. The goal isn't just to make people do what you want. It's to bring the presence and the will of God to reality in individuals' lives. That's what God the authority brings. It's the rule of the king being manifested. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't leave a greater imprint of the presence and the personality of Jesus, then something went wrong somewhere in the exercise of authority. It's beautiful. Thank you, David, for being with us. We're we're so excited every time you come. David speaks every year so far. No pressure, but David has spoken every year in as part <laughs> no of pressure, our, but come back every year. <laughs> yes, <laughs> well, you have done for the last five years. Have spoken every year on year two of our School of Supernatural Life, which is focused on leadership. And so we love having this this apostolic leader of leaders in with us for two days where our students get to ask you questions like this and throw out things. And and I love that you're. I, I love that you, what do you describe yourself? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Didn't you describe yourself as an accidental prophet or a lazy prophet at some point? But you'll you'll, you'll yes. fall into the prophetic <laughs> ministry of a governmental nature. It's a beautiful thing to see. Well, thank you, David, for that. Uh, we just wanted to let you know that we have books back in stock. So Finding Father is I, kn- I know that in. we mentioned that last week, but you know what I didn't do? You didn't open it up to be able to purchase any? <laughs> so the books are physically in stock, but I didn't go into our website and and restock like electronically. So, so if anybody went to, the book to try and buy it, it still sold out. So sorry, if you tried to buy a book last week. Um, we were they, in our pajamas and we just forgot. They absolutely are in stock and you can order them. Yes. So yeah, so sorry, that was my fault. Well, we forgive you this time, darling. Thank you. It's pajamas. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for our patrons who help make every episode a reality. This week, we especially want to thank Matteo for giving towards this episode. And if you'd like to become a patron and support the show from as little as a dollar an episode, head over to ellenandaj.com slash support. But for now, our sincere thanks to David Campbell and to all our wonderful listeners for tuning in today. Uh, We pray you're going to have an amazing week. We will see you next week for the last show of 2018. We hope you have a glorious week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee. They are just like you and me. Alan yeah. and AJ. Oh, yeah. Keeping up with the truth.